from the bottom can't hold me down hold me down i'm rising Welcome to the Truth of Power show on Radio for Brooklyn. I'm your host, VJR Nathan. And with us today, our guest is Crystal Wolf. Uh, Ms. Wolf attended College of Purdue University and was in the SUNY college system in upstate New York. Wolf has been published, Ms. Wolf has been published in newspapers across the country and has won local literary awards in the community she's from in Indiana. Um, she currently lives in New York City where she uh, has um, done freelance reporting for newspapers. She raised hundreds of thousand dollars for nonprofits such as the ASPCA and NRDC, as well as political organizations such as the ACLU and Amnesty International. Ms. Wolf has put her time in, and money in serving the homeless by founding her own nonprofit, Catering for the Homeless, to feed the homeless and hungry with food going to waste from catering companies, schools, and restaurants, feeding thousands of homeless every month in Queens, Brooklyn, Manhattan, and the Bronx. Um, welcome, welcome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. So why don't we start off the conversation um, with uh, your book and Our Invisible Neighbors and your and, and your interest in um, caring for the homeless. How did mm -hmm. how did uh, caring for the homeless start? Um, how did that organization start? And tell okay. us a little bit about that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, it's it was a journey. That's for sure. Um, so I knew even as a child, which most people know that there's enough food going to waste that no one needs to go hungry. Um, so then. As a reporter, um, well, I had been feeding the homeless when um, starting in Los Angeles when I lived there. I fed the homeless once a week. I would take off, and I worked with the church, and they had a— um, Like a soup kitchen? Yes, like yeah. a soup kitchen. Yeah, yeah. I, kitchen. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah, for quite a while. But I really wanted to do more um, because I coming to New York City, the, the homelessness was everywhere, and it just—for me— I couldn't look away. Like, I feel like a, a lot of people just turned their head, but I didn't want to look away. I wanted to do something about it because it was an epidemic. You know, it's an epidemic throughout the country and, and the world. Um, so then when I, I've had several jobs in New York City, you know, because the rent prices are so yeah. high, which, yeah. <laughs> which is a leading cause of homelessness. So I had multiple jobs, and one of the jobs that I wound up getting was in catering. So on my first catering job, um, there was a lot of food excess, and we were just throwing it away. And I said to the manager, you know, why can't we give this to the homeless? And he was like, oh, you know, well, we're afraid of getting sued. 
Mm. Um, and and he, I said, well, what about like if churches and other nonprofits picked up the food, you guys wouldn't be liable? He's like, yeah, well, I, I guess that's true, but who's gonna do all that work? Yeah. Um. So I kind of. And I felt led to do this work. Now, that took a while because I'd never done websites before. Um, so this was the first website I designed. Now I've designed six websites. Um, but www.cateringforthehomeless.com is the first website I built. And that took a year to be able um, to have the courage to do that. And then also I was prompted to speak at a public meeting in my community at the community board five, um, because there was protests going on at the Maspeth holiday Inn express for the homeless that were going to be coming into the hotel. So before I had even come to New York, I had decided that if I ever, um, was at, you know, in a community that was protesting the homeless or the homeless coming in that I was going to stand up and say something because I felt for me I w- that was upsetting to to see these protests. So I wound up going to the community board um and speaking out as a voice for the homeless. Um and then I wound up getting to know that a lot of the people that were protesting were not protesting the homeless. They were protesting the way that the homeless were being served or not served in these shelters. Um, and I wound up becoming friends with them, and they've been very supportive and everything. But I've continued to speak out at these meetings because there's so many misperceptions. Like like in the book, I talk about myths of homelessness, that people are just really wrong about yeah. their perceptions, like ho- homeless or criminals and and things like that, which really, you know, homeless are more likely to be the victim of a violent crime than to commit a violent crime, things like that. So, oh, and property values, that's a big concern in yeah. Queens. Um, and actually homeless cause um, property values to go up when they're housed because when they're out on the streets, mm-hmm. that deters people from coming into the community. Um, so things like that. Um, and then... So then with catering for the homeless, so at the same time I started speaking out, that kind of prompted me to start to really do the website, which I knew I needed, um, you know, to start the nonprofit. And that began the journey. Um, And then and since that time, that was about two years ago, I've now provided 25,000 meals for the homeless throughout New York City and, and poor by utilizing this food excess and mm. so and that's just going to be a growing endeavor so yeah it seems like yeah. it, it was a it was a journey to yes. first understand or first educate yourself on uh, the cause of homelessness that mm-hmm. you write about in the book yeah and then to educate yourself in how to create this nonprofit to mm-hmm. for the homeless and then uh implement it both in the website and also in, in reality to you know um uh coordinate yes. all these different catering Industry, yes. you know, catering jobs to um, get their excess food to, to donate. So tell us a little bit about, um, in, in the book, you talk about the causes of homelessness. Yes. So why don't we talk against the integrity of, like, what are some of the causes of homelessness? Okay, well, yeah. well this is a misperception or yeah. something that most people don't know. Domestic violence is one of the leading causes of homelessness. Mm. And the majority of homeless in New York City are families and children. Um, 70% of the homeless in New York City are families. So domestic violence causes women and children to have to to flee their homes. And unfortunately, there's not enough laws in place that protect the women. Um, So they're forced to flee. 
um, and they experienced, you know, a lot of hardship in the shelter system. So then also poverty is a leading cause, you mm. know, throughout the country and worldwide. Eviction has been a leading cause of homelessness, particularly in places like New York City where the rents are so high. But there is a new law that was passed um, a year ago for right to counsel. Um, so not everybody knows, but when there's a lawsuit in regards to a landlord and tenant, the landlord has the right to counsel, right to representation. And throughout the rest of the country, um, the the tenants do not have a right to an attorney. But now, with this new law, they do. And in, in one year, um, eviction homelessness has gone down 37%. Um, so there's also, there's also affordable housing is an issue. Gentrification is an issue. Uh, mental health can be an issue, addiction, um, also medical bills. Can the, the medical health system is, is really, um, prob- America probably has one of the worst medical in, yeah. in the world. Um, so that's a problem, natural disasters. So for instance, in Far Rockaways, um, with the last hurricane, there's, in 2011, there's still people homeless in the Far Rockaways from that natural disaster. So that, mm. that is a cause of homelessness. So that's just a few of them that I think a lot of those pertain to this area as well. Yeah, yeah. it seems like, uh, you know, just in um, anecdotal and p- things that people I talk to, they seem to overemphasize the, the role that mm-hmm. drug abuse and mental illness play in homelessness because, you know, a lot of times when you, when you encounter People who are homeless, they're, they're, they tend to be very angry. They tend to be very, they tend to have this uh, outward appearance of, you know, kind of either mental illness or drug abuse mm-hmm. that uh, tends to be, I think, over-focused yes, on. Yeah. It is because, and the reason it's over-focused on is a lot of the, hom- most of the homeless are in shelters. Mm. And those are the families or the people that probably don't have the mental illness. So the ones on the streets are the ones typically with those issues and because that's about 20 percent of the mm. of the homeless population so really that's just the ones you see but there but 40 percent of the homeless population is children and clearly they don't they don't have a mental yeah. you know what i mean yeah. they're just innocent um victims in this so so let's talk a little bit about like um some of the actionable items you talk about in your book uh about what we can do or the solutions what are pathways to solving these problems, whether it be for the people listening or, or for the government or city to enact uh, some of those some of those pathways you found. Okay, yeah. well, okay, great. Yeah. Well, one of the interviews in the book is with Assemblyman Andrew Hevesy, and I'm a huge supporter of a, of a plan that he has. It's the first preventative, comprehensive preventative homelessness plan. It's called Home Stability Support. It's a rent subsidy for five up to five years, you have to be employed, um, and then the government will pay a certain amount of your rent so that you can stay in your home, which actually saves the government, would save the government 30% of what they're already spending on homelessness, and then that 30% could be used toward existing homelessness. So um, I just interviewed Hevesy again. I'm working on the second edition, and, the, and our second interview is geared toward his bill's to help with domestic violence, which is a very important, his bills for domestic violence also really need to be passed because that will literally prevent homelessness as well. Um, so he's hoping that it's, it's supported 
in the House and the and the Senate. So he's got the support, and he's really hoping that um, Home Stability Support HSS will be put into um, the budget for this year. So I definitely want to support that. Um, a bill that has been passed and will help with catering for the homeless is Senator Joseph Adabo's bill. He has a food law that, that was passed that um, for food waste that all schools in New York State, from the pre-K to the university level, are, are legally required to give their food to nonprofits that can distribute it um, to whoever, whoever needs it and um, compost the rest of what they can't give organically. So that's a, and that you know is still working to be implemented um, because the schools have concerns about giving. Um, but I just met with him last week, and he's working with the DOE and the chancellor to try to alleviate the schools' concerns. So we because just the schools in New York City, if they gave or New York State, if they gave their food, I mean that would feed millions right there. You know. On a day, on a regular basis, um, so then also the bills like um, Brian Bornwell and Senator Gianneris have a bill about affordable housing, and um, so right now affordable housing is gauged by median incomes from the highest, from the wealthiest communities, Westchester County, you know, um, highest levels of income in Manhattan. So their bill would be that affordable housing would be gauged by the median income by neighborhood, by zip code. So literally what, you know, Forest Hills has a zip code that might be higher than, say, Jackson Heights. But right now, affordable housing isn't even affordable. Um, So those are some bills that I support. And then as individuals, I, I have a few chapters on what we can do to help people that are victims of of domestic violence or the homeless. But I really think the number one thing that we can do, that everybody can do, is just to show respect. Yeah. And just to look at them and engage in them because, you know, these are people just like you and me that have simply fallen on hard times. And everyone deserves that respect and compassion because they're really – going through so much struggle so i give them all the respect in the world for what they're going through you know yeah, definitely definitely and it seems like you have a very strong uh compass a moral compass <clears throat> you talk a little bit about kind of the guiding philosophies that uh guide you through this and, mm-hmm. and help you uh show that respect show that that compassion that you seem to be showing uh part of the themes of the show have to do with personal truth and, and helping empower us yeah and giving that empowerment to others yeah yes Definitely. So, what were some of the guiding philosophies that helped you through this and helped you, uh, helped you to find this light? Well, I would definitely say my faith has carried me through, and I also, because of my um, struggles and suffering in my life, it's given me a lot of compassion. Um, I've I've experienced poverty, um, domestic violence, and homelessness as a child and as an adult, and a precursor for experiencing those things or if it happens to you as a child. Mm. Um, So I really felt oppressed and disempowered most of my life, and I've struggled with that. And I wanted to lift others up as I I continue to pursue my goals. I don't want to leave anybody behind because Mm. I know how it feels to be at rock bottom. So that gives me the compassion. And then God, I would say, my faith, has carried me through. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for my faith. 
Yeah. Um, so I really feel led. I wouldn't, you know, I felt led throughout my life and that my life would be so much worse if not for that. So. And in the book, you talk about uh, success stories of people who there's about I think 30 or 40 more than that. Uh, wow. Uh, 77 mm -hmm. people who have been uh, famous people who have been homeless at some point or severe poverty. Yes. Homeless. Mm -hmm. uh, celebrities who went from rags to riches. Tell us a little bit about kind of how you researched that and how the journeys of some of these people. You can spotlight some of these people. Yeah. Yes. And in the second edition, I'm going to have probably a hundred celebrities. Oh, wow. yeah. yeah. So why I could have done even more. It's yeah. because I, I researched just that one chapter. I probably had 30 sources and I do yeah. cite my sources in the book because I have over um, 200. But um the it really to me was inspiring and a lot of people have told me that that was an inspiring chapter because people look up to celebrities but really it's it's just people like you and me mm. and um and they and a lot of them a lot of the common denominator i found was a lot of them right before they became they got their big break mm. they were at rock bottom which i thought was really interesting you know and homelessness also it can be a few days or if it's a longer a length of time, that's chronic homelessness. Or if it happens over and over, that's chronic homelessness. Mm. Um, so I that was really eye-opening to a lot of people that this can happen to anybody because I think the faces of homelessness need to people need to see they're just regular people, you know. That like so we need to see that and at seeing it in the celebrities helps people to see it on the person on the street, you know? Yeah, you never know. And the point is, I think the inspiration to that is that, you know, even if these people are, even if the people that are neighbors are hitting rock bottom, that there's always that potentiality yeah. of something, of them arising and, and, and really being a contributing member of, of, of society. So we shouldn't forget these yes. uh, these neighbors. Um, so, yeah, so now uh, tell us a little bit more about, you know, you've written several books. Uh, tell us a little bit, go through a little bit of uh, your other writings and, sure. and all these kinds of things. Yeah. Okay. Well, Where the Shadows Meet the Light is actually the first book that I completed. Mm -hmm. um, that I And this book I've, I've carried with me throughout my life because I was always just interested in religion, history, culture, science. So I was always studying, you know, life since I was in elementary school. And at first I was, and I didn't even know why, just I really found these issues fascinating, these, and cultures, I love to study other people's cultures and um, see the unity in all of us. Um, so then this, the beginning of this story came to me, like just the character um, and kind of a vision of, of this. Um, and then I started writing it. I began writing this book in elementary school, and then the experiences in my life and all the research um, came out in this, which is a series. It's called the Creation Series. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of religious and multicultural undertones to this. Um, and then what something else that makes it very unique um, in a literary sense is that it moves and shifts from each character's perspective. Um, because the second book in the series is like a quest for the characters. It's, this is an epic fantasy with science fiction elements. Mm. So the second book, each character has a chapter where they go on a quest. Um, it's so they go, it's similar to Dante's Infernal, but way more. So they mm. go into the universe, past, present, future, 
heaven, hell, purgatory. Um, just so it's very, um, it's very different. And then, so then for the first book, which I've rewritten, of course, many times, I decided to carry that through all of the books and to have it, have each character have a perspective, have their, even if the character's only in the book for one scene, you get their perspective. And Mm -hmm. I think it's really eye-opening to see how people can misunderstand each other, to see the vastly different perspectives. Um, So I think that really helps us to be united when we see the differences and we, but yet we also see the commonality. So that's one of the like dreams of my life or hopes for my life is for people to come together as much as we can, no matter how different we are, we're all humans. Yeah, you know. So, <laughs> oh, well, I, so you tell us a little bit about the themes, but why don't you tease the plot a little bit, or sure. Yeah. And well, actually, it's not all humans in the in the book. Um, so the 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 plot of it is there's a lot that happens, but these fourteen characters come together for the greater good to defeat a dictator who's taking over different countries, and and so they need to come together. Now the prophecy is prophecy based, where each character has some sort of birthmark tattoo, quote unquote, that they're born with, a symbol or an animal. The main character has a stallion tattoo. There's another girl with a raven tattoo. Um, so they all have different, some have even a symbol, like the symbol of unity. Um, so they come, they're coming together in book one. Um, and then you're just getting their perspectives, learning about them. At one point, they get captured. Um, so there's also a lot of action, mm. um, you know, like swords play um, and magic. Um, mm. One of the main characters is actually called Wandering Wolf because my, my last name is Wolf, but he, oh, yeah. he's a shaman. So there's different religions, different creatures. And I also um, like there's a unicorn, but he's but he was cursed oh, um, yeah. because he, he's black with with. So he's black with a silver horn. Uh-huh. And and then. There's um, Celestia. She's the Bird of Eden. There was two Bird of Edens, but a Celestia and a Story. But a Story was was killed. So there's all these backstories, and it kind of can go back and forth to the future, past, and present. Which really, that's how life is, if you think about it. Yeah, interesting. So interesting. Yeah. yeah. So and also, you wrote um, a two collections of poetry or one collection? Um, one so one far, but I'll have more. Yeah. yeah. The Resurrected yeah. Dream, a collection of poetry and prose. An awakened soul. So we'll give you a moment to either read a selection from the Resurrect Dream, or you like to read a selection from that. Yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, I'll read "A Ship Is Safe in Harbor." I'll read an excerpt from that. Yeah. A ship is safe in harbor, but that isn't what it was built for. A bird is safe in a cage, but that isn't what it was born for. A ship was built to sail, and a bird was born to fly. And each of us has a calling to accomplish before we die. Fish are made to swim. Deer are meant to leap and bound. By accepting each other's natures, the way to peace is found. Some of us need to see the world. We're created to do extraordinary things. Some of us hold a vision that only through the eyes of faith is seen. The scorpions will sting us and lions roar their pain. The gentle lambs whine meekly, the cowardly love in vain. To each their own, live and let live, but never let die. Whatever you were born to do, whatever you, whoever you were born to be, be and do and live the life 
walk out on faith unsafe to become worthy of the dream. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Very nice. Very thank nice. you. That kind of embodies yeah. who I yeah, am yeah. too, you know. I definitely feel yeah. like that there's like a, a deep calling for you to serve and to help the community and also to promote uh, yes. the, this higher calling to the community so then people will be able to understand that there's you know the the play of lightness the play of of light yes yeah bring the i want to bring like like where the shadows meet the light i'm i'm called to bring the darkness into the light yeah and expose the truth um and compassion i think is an empathy is really critical to bring to these issues um because like the blame the blame game doesn't help anyone and i think people blame um to make themselves feel alleviated of the responsibility but yeah. i feel we all have a responsibility to each other yeah exactly exactly i mean it's so difficult sometimes like in in daily life we we get caught up in this uh the the game of work the game of our our lives and embodying our lives and being able to remember that our higher calling yes. is our obligation to society, our obligation to yes. some higher authority, you know? Yes, and definitely. And how do you navigate that? How do you, how are you able to navigate that? that? Well, that's, that is, <laughs> that's the difficulty, isn't it? Because yeah. I came to New York City wanting definitely to help the homeless, yeah. but I also have my own dreams and, and that, and that's where it's harder for me to find a balance. Um, I, because I'm the, like, I'm studying archetypes right now and I'm like the creator and the caretaker. Yeah. So I'm trying to balance that because yeah. I like the creation series. I, I, I am very creative. I have all these talents in different areas, but I also have a, have a deep heart for people that are suffering. Yeah. Um, so it is, that is my challenge. I think in my, in my life, my soul's challenge is to balance service with also my creativity and in and it's hard too because I see things so differently um than than other people in my creative talents like I it's I'm not me 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 mm. I'm not egotistical I'm really talented and I want to use my talent to benefit people as well you mm. know like I'm a singer so I want to use my singing to you know open people's eyes and yeah. heal people so it's not like my creativity is shallow either but unfortunately in those fields, it tends to attract people that is performers. Yeah. And, and but I, you know, I come from a family of of talented people, so it's more about who I am and how I want to use my gifts to benefit society as well. But like the service is kind of like the direct way to help people. So I, I, so I just, I guess I, I'm challenged with that balance. Yeah. Yeah. And what were some of the artifacts, uh, whether it be books or, or movies or music uh, growing up that really influenced you and, and how has that evolved over the years? Yeah. Okay. Well, there's many, yeah. <laughs> okay. um, I think a great film that, that is, was eye opening to me. Um, one of the greatest films is American history X. Yeah. It's, a great it's one. really yeah. great about yeah. prejudice. Um, cause I, and I have no, I don't believe in any prejudice. Mm. I've never believed in that or had yeah. any feelings toward that because it's like, well, it was, it doesn't make sense to me, but that makes sense it made sense how it happened. Yeah. It kind of shows how prejudice can, can get started and germinate in a family. Um, so then Frankie Peretti as an author was inspirational to me. I think he's um, the best known author 
for spirituality. He mm. wrote about spiritual warfare, um, and particularly in New York City, I think we face that on a daily basis, good mm. versus evil. And um, so, and we have to, I have to fight the good fight and how to do that and how you can get manipulated and, and tempted and things. Um, so then Victor Hugo really influenced me with his complexity of characters. I think he's he's the best author for complexity of characters. Um, so I, I and C.S. Lewis, I was influenced yeah, by Lewis him. Yeah, C.S. Lewis, two letters. Yes. Uh, problem of pain. All yes. Yeah. Oh, so good. Mere yeah. Christianity. Yeah. Screw yeah. tape letters. Oh, excellent. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of a lot of how my writing is because as like as my series develops, um, it gets more into spiritual warfare. Mm. Um, yeah, so let's talk then, a little bit about spiritual warfare. Okay. Some of the misconceptions I think about spiritual warfare and, and clarifying for the audience and listeners. You know, a lot of times we think of it as an external. You know, mm. warfare, but it's actually internal. Yes, you know, it's very much about the thought forms and 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 uh, battling delusions, battling evil within yes. our minds. Uh, talk a little bit about what your understanding of that is. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, a lot of it is, and and that really the greatest battle we face is within ourselves yeah. and within our own minds, and it's and we have to take responsibility for that because no matter who told you what, we can choose what we believe. I mean, it like I like one of the people in the story one of the homeless ladies chapter one from our invisible neighbors my friend jerry and it's and she's now in her late 60s and her father told her she was stupid and she can't and get it out of her head so i'm trying to feed her self-esteem and say you're smart you can learn you can grow but ultimately it's up to each one of us to decide am i going to listen to my father or whomever told me i was stupid or am i going to prove them wrong mm. and that's that's one way one aspect of spiritual warfare is fighting those voices in our head um self doubt anxiety worry fear yeah. those are all big big um you know, spiritual warfare that we have to struggle with and we and keep going forward and choose faith over fear and choose and, and not um, the more that we feed the positivity, the more that grows. And we're going to and we'll struggle with that till the day we die as humans. That's the human condition. Yeah, it seems to me that, um, you know, these thought forms, these viral thoughts mm -hmm. coming to us. We're constantly uh, feeding into them, mm -hmm. and we have to choose. We have to give our attention. Yes. We have to choose our where we place our attention, where we place our our training of the mind. You know, to to train to always be uh, on the right path, to move towards the training, mm -hmm. and all these kind of things. So, what are some of the practices you engage in that help you with that prayer? I guess or yes, what, what yes, it, yeah. I have a lot of tools, uh, meditation, prayer, and it also I think empowers me to to empower myself like mm. like the more positive i can put out like in the book is it, it was important to educate myself mm. on the causes um i interviewed a lot of the homeless i wanted to really understand how this happened but then a very important aspect to me is the third part of the book which is the solutions yeah and their solutions are there for homelessness for the for the epidemics like homelessness and also for you and me whatever problems that we face we do have solutions for every problem does have a solution. So it helps me. Action helps me. Um, and, and of course, being you have to be in a state of being and allowing to accept the good into your life. 
Um, so I, I study a lot and I always have, I've always, um, you know, books are a great tool for me. Um, books on tape, prayer, meditation. I do go to church. So the more that I can feed my spirit, the, the stronger that I am in at, holistically, because I think we also need to look at our problems holistically because our physical ailments is a reflection of our internal struggles. Yeah. Um, emotion, psychology, it all goes into the physical body, which of course cultures like Eastern cultures have known this for thousands of years, yeah. but somehow the Western culture has lost it, which it makes perfect sense to me yeah. you know um, um so technology i think starts to advance we start to lose touch with the ancient wisdom exactly <clears throat> bless you and also like um you know they have this idea of as above so below mm -hmm. but also I, I tend to think of it as as within so without you know? oh i like that, that. You know, what's within us that within our internal climate or internal mind Mm -hmm. We see outside of us, you know? Exactly. And what are your thoughts on kind of the connection between, you were talk, touching a little bit on this, about the, touch, the connection between our internal mind, our internal climate, and what we see outside of ourselves. Mm -hmm. you know, like you see solutions, you see yes. problems and solutions, whereas many people just see quagmires of problems, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, they, and, and I think the majority focuses on the problem, but mm. they, and they don't want to take responsibility for what they can do. And, and if they did it would be very empowering mm. because the people that are happiest are the people that are doing positive things. And they're like, maybe I can't solve everything, but I can do what I can do. Like, like um, Helen Keller, I think it was with the quote, mm. I might not be able to help everybody, but I'm not going to let that stop me from helping the person that I can help. Yeah. And I think that really helps us to, to be empowered. Um, and it is really, it really is the battle. I agree with you. From within that's a great quote thank you thank you so um now let's talk a little bit about um kind of the important disciplines for yourself and that you can teach others now you, basically that was the question that has to do with how you're able to communicate all these into through your literature or through mm -hmm. um other means how you're able to to teach a discipline to other people and how has that been successful or or what obstacles have you had in that? A spiritual discipline? Or any kind of discipline. Okay. You can take it any way you want, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I, I definitely have a, a teacher aspect of me, and I'm always looking to see how I can help other people, um, small or like my one friend from the book, you know, I was able to help her find housing, mm. and it took it took so much. It took a lot of aspects of work, self-esteem. You know, I was always trying to lift her spirits. And mm. then also I, I helped her with computer skills. Um, and then I helped her with resume building, references, apartment hunting. Um, so with so I was able to help one person really come from the beginning of the journey at rock bottom to being stabilized. Um, but everybody's at a different level. And, and I feel like everybody that comes into our life, we can learn from yeah. and we can also teach. So I try to have a humble and flexible spirit to always be learning, but then also see if I can add to the conversation um, in order to, to open someone's mind. Because I feel like I learn with every conversation. I'm learning something and hopefully I'm able to impart the knowledge that I've, you know, gleaned and hopefully wisdom from from all the studies and experiences I've had. Um, 
So I'm always looking to do that. I definitely am able a lot of times to see where people are insecure. Mm. And I and some where some people whereas some people might try to take advantage of that, I try to encourage that person and mm. lift them up where they need to be lifted up because we all have insecurities. Um, we all have things we struggle with. So I try to be an encourager. Um, and then teach people the knowledge. Like one of the chapters in the book is is poverty thinking, mm. and it's a mindset, and it's generational. A lot of times, um, of course, you know, education can help, but most help, but most of all, it's from your mind. You know, one of the major themes we've done on the show is about abundance thinking. Yes, like thinking in abundance, not thinking in terms of poverty, not thinking that I don't have, but thinking about it, focusing on what we do have and yes. amplifying that and understanding that. So. Is that also part of your philosophy of abundance thinking? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah positive yeah. thinking, abundance thinking. Yeah, and, we, and we've got to get ourselves physically and mentally and emotionally to where we want to be in order to get there. Um, and it and it's a lot of work. It's it's doing and being. You have to have the combination because you can't be like, well, this is these are my goals, but you still have to have steps to get there. But you mm. also have to be in that frame of mind to order to one accept it and to really step into it authentically. So I absolutely agree. Yeah, I really liked uh, in one of, in your pre-interview questions. You talked about there will never be another you or me. That every person has priceless value, and uh, I think society has lost the value of people in general. So yeah. if you could talk a little bit more about that and how um, under I think this is under the question about what's misguided about society and what's yeah. the problem about problems with society. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. technology is a good thing overall, but mm. it anything can be used for good or bad. And I think it's disconnected us, and I think mm. people have lost respect and value. And scientifically, our DNA, like there will never be someone like you in the history of time again. Not your DNA for one, and two, your experiences, because, mm. you know, so... We're all completely unique. We all have completely different DNA and completely different experiences. And that shouldn't be something to fear. A lot of people, for some reason, when they see differences, it makes them afraid. Mm. Um, but then I think as you evolve, you find that interesting and exciting. And, and like, what can I learn from this person? Or, or what can I enjoy about this culture that's different than mine? It's not something to fear. It's something to be, to celebrate, yeah, to celebrate, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I think that when we recognize that the position we're in and the, the, the role we're playing in society is unique, as you're saying, yeah. that it's specific to us, that we then can be empowered yes. to act from that place of mm -hmm. true authenticness and, and, and move within our communities, move these centers, these hubs of communities and become a real motivating change. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I think communities... I think we need to come together um, and not work separately. I think the more that people come together, the more great things get done. Because, like, independently, Andrew Havisey has this great bill. But if he doesn't do the work and, and have the skills to get other um, people on board, it won't get passed. And he does a great job because he works with Democrats and Republicans. And I think the political devices divisiveness divisiveness isn't helping anybody and yeah. i don't like the label like george washington said if we have party titles we're going to destroy this country mm. and i think people get bogged down in republican versus democrat 
But if they just looked at the issues, we agree mm. more than we disagree. Yeah, I definitely get the sense from you and what you were saying previously, um, when you were talking about marketing and GX and such, that tribalism is a big problem mm-hmm. for you, I think. Yes. Yeah, we think tribalism, yeah. It really sure. is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I'm from Indiana, and I really never liked that. I call it small-town mentality. Yeah. And in New York, I was, and now I've lived over all over the country, and I, it's disappointing to find I think that's just a human problem because yeah. New York is very much like this is my neighborhood. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm just blind <laughs> allegiance to that neighborhood. Exactly. No matter what, <laughs> what problems that neighborhood yeah. has, you're going out that's the my shop. neighborhood, yeah. and that's your district. I yeah. don't care about your. And I'm very much global, global yeah. mentality. If I can help someone in in Finland, I'll help them. If I can help someone in my neighborhood, I'll help them. I, I don't care. Like we're humans. Like like when you look at a map of of the earth you don't see lines you don't Mm. see districts you know what i mean so i think we need to start looking at things in a global sense the more that we can see the global community the more issues will be solved and if we can instead of saying instead of looking at labels and and slinging mud at each other if we can just look at the causes figure out the solution implement the solution then the world will be yeah. so much better, yeah, right? Know, yeah, yeah, Can't I'm... we all just get along? Yeah. <laughs> That's seems... one of my mottos. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, it seems like the solutions are right there, but we yeah. obstinately don't want to reach for that that glass of water when we're thirsty. You know, exactly. we obstinately want to go for something else and, and constantly <laughs> feel that, you know, that that striving for it. And the problem seems to constantly exist in our minds, you know, yeah. that we're creating. Yeah. Yeah, and we're yeah. creating the problems in a yeah. way too. We're not and so the solutions are there and it's like let's like you say, focus on the positive, focus on the solutions, focus on what you have versus yeah. what you don't have. And that's gonna attract more abundance in your life. So yeah. I'm totally on the same page. And politically, I just feel like, you know, these are there's so many epidemics and issues right now that are really important. And this is the t- critical time yeah. for us to come together. Yeah, not only, and it seems to me not only tribalism in the sense of, uh, you know, our communities, our, our parties, our, yeah. our families, all the blind allegiance to, but also ideologically, mm. that we become so blinded by mm-hmm. what we perceive to be, not even the truth of the ideology, yeah. what we perceive to be the ideology, not having faith in the, or, uh, the, um, the power of that uh, truth to come mm-hmm. through, but rather... Uh, blind dogma and all this kind of thing yes. tends to blind us to uh, the reality. Yeah, it's a fanaticism. Yeah, it's, and and people are, I mean, loyal. Like anything that's good can be can become bad if mm. taken to the extreme. So loyalty, of course, is good. But when you're loyal to someone that isn't even exhibiting what you stand for in your party, that doesn't make sense, and that becomes a dictatorship. You yeah. know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It seems like uh, being able to see the see the reality in front of us is so important, and being able to see the the bring the light in so that we yes. can see clearly yes. what's going on. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and I and people, I feel um, so many people are followers with the sheep mentality that they're just like, well, this is what I mean. Rush Limbaugh said, you know, like literally mm. people from where I come from will be like, well, my friend said that Rush Limbaugh said this. Yeah. And it's like gospel. Yeah. And it's and you know, referring to a speech or something. I'm like, well, did you see the speech? <laughs> did did you yeah. read the speech? Did you check your sources? How many sources did you look at? And people are mentally 
in some ways kind of complacent and not really like because we all have to be educated because the reality is we're all ignorant i mean i've studied so many sources and i'm sure i there's i'm still could learn so much more yeah for me you know for me also like uh the key for it for me at least is you know i grew up i went to catholic school from first to eighth grade oh wow and uh, i had exposure to catholicism and uh, uh christianity uh by proxy obviously but um uh, generally, and then one thing I, I I understood from that is that the the God consciousness or Christ consciousness comes through the Holy Spirit. Yes, that, you know that we have to really embody the living uh, truth. That this truth will then kind of have its own, just like in any kind of logical um, consequence. You know, mm-hmm. premise and then consequence go logically. Uh, you know when the when that when the lie when the truth is alive within you. Yes. You don't have to refer to dogma. You don't have to refer <laughs> to text. You can just let it breathe in you. Exactly. And be in that space. Yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to be a relationship. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And it's yeah. a daily walk. I mean, mm. every day. It's like you take a shower every day. So mm. why don't you feed your spirit every exactly, day? It's exactly, the same yeah. thing. And like I, you have to invite the spirit in mm. because a part of of that love is is free will. Mm. So we can choose, like you say, we can choose whatever we want. But if we choose to let the spirit lead us. That's when miracles happen exactly, in our exactly. lives. Yeah. yeah, it's so easy to get led astray yes. by what we perceive other people's opinions or thoughts or actions. We don't even know what their real yeah. inside is. We don't. We, we're blind to like um, their intentions and their. We can just see their yeah. actions and their words, but then we we get led astray, and we want to constantly get back to that moral compass. That yes. moral compass will guide us through and judgment yeah. and judgment keeps us separated Mm. like if you're just judging someone based on appearance then that's wrong like they say you know if you assume you know it's always wrong to assume even if you're right you know what i mean so i think it's important like you're saying to not be judging others but to just be open to getting to know them to getting to know them and and to be as much as we can be unbiased exactly exactly and why we talk that one of the major themes of the show is also is the personal is political and how uh and we were to getting into this a little bit of this topic in this conversation but uh what is your understanding of that phrase and and how does that the personal choices become a charged political uh stance you know Yes. Yeah. Well, in a, in a way, I love that phrase, but because in a way, everything is personal and everything is political. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Because, and that's where I think I wish, I don't like to say victims, I like to say innocence, because yeah. I, I don't like the connotation, but innocent people that have, that have gone through something, a lot of times, understandably so, but they get um, bogged down mm. in that trauma. Yeah. But where we need to come as our, our souls evolve is what can we do to, to help the next person yeah. to help the next generation. And so the things that I've experienced, um, the suffering, the struggles, the traumas makes me want to help others. And the best way to help others really on, on a mass level is, is through politics yeah. is through laws. Um, and there's, and it's really exciting to me because so many people are like, oh, this is such a bad time and the, and the government, this and that. But some of the best politicians I ever knew are right here among us, really, really doing their job and doing great work. Um, because like, like when I was in college, I found out about, um, the sex trafficking that's going on from upstate New York, Syracuse to, um, 
to New York City. Um, it's really an ep epidemic. And I was like praying, God, you know, we really need a politician to do something about this. I can write newspaper articles and I can volunteer, but but we need the laws to change. We need this yeah. to come to the light. And Assemblyman Hevesy is fighting this. Mm. So he's like literally an answer to my prayer. And there's so many politicians that are really have the bills you know that that are in place to get passed that can affect change and it's mm. very personal to me these yeah. issues are very personal to me and and helping somebody to not go through what i've gone through is is very important and personal and it's also very political yeah exactly i think what i'm hearing from that also is that you know it's so easy to um think that we're not part of the community we're, we're some kind of island yeah that, you know we're just you know like it only <laughs> happened to me yeah but actually it happens to many people yes all the things we go through are repeated over and over again in all of our uh communities mm -hmm. and then to be able to to recognize that that we're, we're interconnected yeah exactly yeah. and i think that as we because i think part of the like we were talking about spiritual warfare isolation mm. that's the natural inclination when you've been traumatized for instance you want to isolate people like veterans with ptsd yeah. they isolate they go to drugs you yeah. know or, or alcohol to cope but the best thing we can do is to reach out look out become a part of the solution become a part of the community become a mm. part of the conversation to affect change exactly. and that's exactly. what we all we all have a responsibility and and like domestic violence is the biggest epidemic in the world it's like homelessness and domestic violence are my two um biggest causes because these are these issues affect people for the rest of their lives. And so we need to be thinking about how we can really um, prevent this and solve this to help people to not have to go through this. Like literally, like I, I there's a great quote I just saw, like um, leadership is not about the next election, it's about yeah. the next generation. Exactly, exactly, yeah. And also just be able to recognize that when we talk about speech, speaking truth to power, we're talking really about empowering yes. ourselves. That there's no external, um, you know, these people have power. We don't have power. No, we all Why? have power. Yeah, we, all we have do. The power to change, and we yeah. do. And and when you heal yourself, that helps others. Mm. Just just becoming empowered, you know, we we literally do need to become the change we want to see. Like yeah. Gandhi said, "Oh, speak." You know, he's my favorite leader yeah. of all time. I yeah. love Gandhi, and he really embodies that to me he yeah. be the change you want to see yeah. um so and then as we change it really does change our world and it really does change and better the people around us as well thank you thank you so as we start to wind down um any closing thoughts you want to direct people to your website yes and give, give a reminder about the website and, yes any final action thoughts yeah okay sure and i do want to just mention i i have some events coming up mm. um so i am going to be doing a fundraiser with avon through avon it'll be on my website february 21st to march 21st um then i'm going to be speaking at an advocacy and action conference there's going to be advocates from all over the country that's march 14th um, I have several Arthur talks coming up, and you can all see these events on my website at www.cateringforthehomeless.com. Excellent. Thank you so much. So this has been the Truth to Power Show on Radio Free Brooklyn. Uh, Radio Free Brooklyn is a 501c3 nonprofit organization whose mission is to provide a free and open platform. 
dark comedian, promote media literacy, education, and free expression. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. So to help support our mission, we invite you to make a one-time donation or monthly pledge at uh, readyforbrooklyn.org slash donate. Every site helps this community stay on air. So please support independent community media by pledging whatever you can afford. All contributions are tax deductible to the full extent of the law. Um, also tonight, tonight is uh, February 11th. Um, we're having a, a special event at uh, 12 Gratton Street, Brooklyn, at the Pine Box Rock Shop. Join us for a night of comedy and storytelling as comedians perform material informed from their experience of sexual assault. Uh, find out for yourself. Um, the uh, Come to Asking For It, presented by Ready for Brooklyn, this Monday, February 11th, 9 p.m., and have a catharsis with comedians, uh, some very famous comedians. Uh, this Monday at eleven at nine p.m. at uh, February eleventh on Pine Box Rock Shop for some good consensual fun. Um, also, if you're listening to the Ready for Brooklyn on your uh, computer, free yourself off with the uh, um, apps on iPhone and Android by going to ReadyForBrooklyn.org/iPhone/Android. So thank you so much, Crystal, for yes, being here. Yes, and thank you. I want to thank you for having me. I really appreciate this. Thank you so much. Great show. Thank you, thank you. So we'll be closing out with the song um, uh, Thunder by Imagine Dragons. Let me just get this. Just a young gun with a quick fuse. I was uptight, want to let loose. I was dreaming of bigger things and want to leave my old life behind. Not a yes, sir. Not a follow. Number. I was lightning before the thunder. Thunder, 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 thunder,
Famous Dead People. Famous Dead People is a comedy 